all right. But hey, this morning, uh, I get the privilege of wrapping up our Next Level Generosity series. And let's see if we're woke up now. Who's ready to take their generosity to the next level? All right. So uh, week one, let me just recap real quick. We started off this series by looking at how important it is that we become a successful steward of what God has given us. What does that mean? It means that we know how to manage well what God has entrusted into our hands. We don't, what God's given us isn't just something that we're willy-nilly with, but rather we steward it and manage it well because we bring him glory when we manage well. Now, the second week, we looked at how if we're going to level up our generosity, it means that we have to have faith that God is our provider. Not just a nice, hopeful thought that, you know, God blesses us sometimes, but no, he is the provider in our life. I'm going to ask you one more time. How many of you guys are glad that God is the provider and not the government? Come on, somebody. All right. So that's important. If we're going to level up in our generosity, we've got to manage well. We've got to know who our real provider is, that it's God. Then last week, we looked at how to have our priorities in order by getting first things first. And the importance of honoring God, not just in some of the areas of our life, but all the areas of our life. And we do that financially when we bring him the first portion of what we have and we put it back into his hands. What that does is it keeps him first in our life, and we're returning to him what already belongs to him. That when we trust him with the first and best, God blesses all the rest. Amen? Awesome. So this morning, though, I want to wrap up this series by talking about how we can be next level in our generosity by leaving a legacy of generosity. How many of you guys want to leave a legacy of generosity? Now, I think there's something about being human where we want to leave something of ourselves beyond just where we're at in this current time, right? Like parents, how many of you guys want to leave the best part of yourself to your children? How many of you guys got some parts of yourself that you don't want to leave to your children? I mean, come on, right? You're with me. Thank you. All right. So uh, there's something about being human where we want to leave something behind, something good, something rich, something that lives on beyond us. You know, sometimes we have a funny way of doing that, all right? Even if we've never had that conscious thought, there's like this little tick, and we just do weird things. Like, anybody else grow up in the 90s? Yeah, I know there's more of us old people in here, okay? Like, back in the 90s, it was like cool to leave messages in the bathroom stalls and like put your best friend's phone number and stuff, right? Because we were leaving something behind for the next person. All right, anybody ever been to Stone Mountain, Georgia? All right. Now, if you hike up the mountain, as you're getting close to the top, there's this big rock that you got to walk right past of. I don't know how it started. Just some dude, probably not in his right mind, but somebody stuck a piece of gum on it. And today, the entire rock face is a big wall of old chewing gum. Somebody just wanted to leave a piece of themselves for somebody else to find and enjoy. And I hope you didn't enjoy it too much if you've been there. All right. We have funny ways of leaving stuff behind, right? Maybe you've seen that um, bridge in Paris and some other places around the world where people will take a lock and they'll write their name or they'll write their, um, their lover's name on it and they'll lock it on this bridge. Why? They want to leave something behind that endures. We do that with our kids too, right? We pass on our last name and some of us pass on more than just the last name. Like since, since uh, this is the last time you're going to have to make fun of me, I'll give you my full name. 
Charles Dewey Hill III. All right. Man, when, when my middle name got out in high school, let me tell you what, those girls had fun with it. All right. But Charles Dewey Hill III, yes, it's British. Yes, I'm in line to the crown. I forget how many thousands to the exponent something or another back, but true story. So we pass on names. Now, when Maggie and I were dating, I thought it would be a very important point to make that I expected my firstborn son to be Charles Dewey Hill IV. Okay? Come on, ladies. That's just romantic, is it not? Yes. Come on, gentlemen. You've got me. Andrew's like, where's he going with this? Let's see that look. So we, I said, hey, here's the deal. This is how important it is to me. You can name all the other kids. I won't argue with you. You name them. But I get the firstborn child. That, that boy right there is going to be Charles Dewey Hill IV. She agreed. And you know what she did? She tried to renege on it once we found out we were having a boy. But I'm here to tell you today, right there, Mr. Chase is Charles Dewey Hill IV. Yes, the name lives on. Woo! Just embarrassed him. I love that kid. <laughs> There's something about us. We want to leave something of ourselves beyond for the next generation and for generations to come. Why do you think that is? Have you ever thought about why we have this tick inside of us to do that? I want to pose to you something, that God has designed you to make a difference, that God has wired you to make a difference, to leave a mark that when that day comes, when you breathe your last, that your life meant something beyond just yourself. God has a plan, God has a purpose, and he has a call on your life. And I believe that if we are walking in the will of God and in his plan and purpose for us, that we're going to make a difference, that we're going to leave something valuable behind, that our lives will not be just about ourselves. You know, the fact of the matter is, we know that God's our provider, right? Every resource that we have, he puts it in our hand. But the fact is, every resource we have is finite. Think about it. What's our most finite and most fleeting resources that we have? Time. Anybody know how much time they got left? Me neither. All right. But we only have so much. God's placed it in our hand at our disposal to use. Now, how many of y'all guys have some gifts and abilities? I believe that God gives you those too. He's placed them in your hand. You only have so many gifts and so many abilities to use. The choice is yours what you do with it, though, right? Now, how many of you guys have only so much energy? Now, maybe we can increase that a little bit through working out and eating right. We can, we can do a little bit about that, right? But at the end of the day, we've only got so much energy. It's not a matter of how little or how much you have, but it's what you do with what you have, right? And then there's the issue of money. We have a finite amount of money. Can somebody say Amen. All right, I understand tax season is right now, and some of y'all are going to get a nice little refund, but hey, it's finite, right? Right? Finite. Here's the thing. When God puts resources at our disposal, we have a choice of what we do with it. God has given us freedom to use what we have in the manner of our choosing. So we can choose either to live just for ourselves or we can live for the calling and the purpose that God places on our life. Now, here's the thing. All of our resources, money included, it's not a matter of morality when it comes to how much or how little we have of it. I'm going to steal this, this example from Dave Ramsey. Anybody been through Financial Peace University? 
All right, I'm going to steal this example because it's good. This brick, how many guys know this brick's a little sinner? Good. We have some honest people. Nobody's lying in here. All right. So the brick is amoral. Okay. In other words, this brick is not a matter of sin or holiness. This brick does not have morality. Okay. If I have one bricks or I have a million bricks, does that make the brick good or bad? Does that make me good or bad? What the difference is, is what my hand does while it's in possession of the brick. All right, let me just prove it to you. Now, I can have this brick right here, and I can choose to be careless with it and just throw it into the crowd. Three people flinched. I was hoping for five this service, all right? Now, is it the brick's fault that you get hurt from my carelessness? No, it's my hand's fault. It's what my hand did while it was in the possession of the brick. Now, I could also take this brick and intentionally bust you upside the head, right? Uh, Miss Reno's getting scared. I heard that, all right? Hey, don't worry. It's not the brick that's the destruction. If I take it and throw it through the window, it's not the brick. It's my hand where the morality's at, right? Now, I could also take this brick and just start collecting tons of them and tons of them and, and create a nice pile of bricks that just sits there. Is the brick wrong for sitting there? Or is my hand wrong for wasting the resource I have? Or how many know I could take this brick and I could start to lay a foundation? A foundation that somebody can stand on. A foundation something can be built upon. How many know I can take this brick and I could start to build a house? And I could take another brick and keep going. Or I can build a hospital to, for, the, for the sick. Or I can build an orphanage for those without parents. Or I could take this brick and I can build a church where people can hear about the good news of Jesus. All right? But at the end of the day, where's the responsibility? Is it the brick's responsibility or is it my hand's responsibility? The brick is amoral, without morality. What my hand does with it is where morality comes in. Too often, though, we make money an issue of morality, don't we? We say, oh, well, you don't have any. You must be cursed. Or, hey, you have too much of it. That's wrong. We make money the issue of morality. But the fact of the matter is money is no different from a brick. It's a resource. It's a resource that God puts into our hand. What we do with the resource is what matters. It's not the resource. It's what our hand does with what we have been given. See, just like the brick, I can take the money I have and waste it on all the careless things that I want to do and just enjoy it and blow it all and have nothing to show for it. I could take that same, same money and I could go drink it away and destroy my life. I could take that same money and just do what Scrooge McDuck did and just hoard it all and do nothing with it. I actually think that's sadder than if I destroyed than if I just wasted it, because at least you had a good time wasting it, right? You just die with a bunch of money in the bank and have nothing to show for it. That's just sad, right? Or I can take that same money and use it to invest in somebody's life. I could take that same extra that I have and start laying a foundation, start building something that lives on, start to build something that makes a difference in somebody's life. The issue isn't if money is good or bad. The issue is, what am I going to do with what God has entrusted 
into my hand. So as we continue to look at next level generosity today and we wrap this up, here's what I want to propose to you. God has blessed us abundantly, amen? Amen. He has given us everything that we need to sustain our life. He's given us everything that we need to honor him first, but God has given us above and beyond that. God has given us enough to where we can leave something behind, where we can pour into somebody's life, where we can pour into things that make a difference. I love what Rich Wilkerson Jr. says. He says, when we give, it's not a guarantee that our name lives on, but it's a guarantee that his name will be known. What are you living for? Are you living to build a dynasty or are you living to live a legacy? What we do with what we've been given matters. Jesus actually talks about this in, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, let me just bring your attention to this story. Now, this is actually kind of weird. All right, so Jesus is teaching, doing his normal things, a whole crowd of people learning from him. And all of a sudden, this guy interrupts Jesus. And the guy's like, hey, teacher, tell my brother to split this inheritance with me. Now, you understand that that would be like right now if Cody were to be like, hey, Chuck, I need you to tell Andrew to, to pay his fair share of the restaurant bill last night. Now, would that not be awkward? But that's what happens here. This guy just interrupts Jesus' teaching, wants Jesus to command his brother. And Jesus at first is like, whoa, hold up, hold up. Who made me judge? That's kind of ironic, right? Because he kind of is the final judge. But anyway, he's like, whoa, hold up. And then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 15 in chapter 12. He says, then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in what? The abundance of possessions. Now, how many of you know when Jesus says watch out for something, you kind of do want to do that? You want to take guard? Like, okay, like this is the son of God, Savior, kind of knows everything, omniscient, all-powerful, all that good stuff. So if he says, watch out, I'm going to watch out. What does he say to be on guard against? All kinds of greed. See, greed is the assumption that everything I have is for my consumption, right? And what Jesus does is he decimates the lie that greed speaks into our life with the truth that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So he's telling this brother, like, Dude, you realize you've got a brother that you've got a relationship, right? And you're willing to destroy this relationship over some possessions. It's kind of a big deal. He's like, your perspective's wrong here, bud. And then he goes on and launches into this parable. And in uh, verse 16, it starts off this way. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. How many on all that? Like, that's the season we want to be in, right? Like where the blessings overflowing so much, where we have more than we even know what to do with. Like, right? That's where we want to be. And that's where this rich man found himself. Had more than enough. Not just more than enough. He had so much, he didn't even have room to keep it. Good times, right? If we're honest, though, we've been there before, Right? We've been there. Now, of course, your bank's more than happy to take all your money and more. But in our case, we've had times where we had more possessions, more income, more resources at our disposal than we knew what to do with, that we had to make a plan 
for the extra, that we had to make a plan for the income, that we had to make a plan for the season of abundant blessing we were in. That's where this rich man was. Great times. Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like the sweet life, don't it? What was his plan? All of this extra he had. He's going to tear down his barns, build bigger ones, think about nobody but himself, and take life easy. More than enough. More than enough. But he wanted to keep it all to himself. Wanted to store it all up for his consumption. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the storage industry is a pretty big industry here in Northeast Columbia, is it not? I mean, how many new ones are they building right now? Like three? It's crazy. All right? I mean, let's be honest. We've got hashtag rich people problems too. All right? A lot of us, we're in the same position this man is. We have so much stuff that God's blessed us so much, we don't even know what to do with it. That we pay people money to keep our stuff for us. Now, let me just say, I'm not knocking on you if you have a storage space, all right? So please don't infer something I'm not saying as we continue. All right, so this is the man's plan. Finally has it ready to go. He knows what barns he's going to build. He's got the rest 10 years of his life mapped out, all good, smooth sailing. Then verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. That's got my attention, right? You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. How many of you know those words from Jesus is kind of sobering? This is how it will be for those who are not rich toward God. See, this guy had everything and more. Everything and more. You see, I don't think the issue was how much he had. The issue was how he was choosing to use what he'd been given. Why was he a fool? Because he was not rich toward God. He assumed that everything he had was for him to consume. Everything that he had, he laid up for himself. He didn't say, let me take a portion of this and bring it back to God because he's who brought me this harvest. He didn't say, let me take a portion of this and go feed the widows in my community. Let me go take a portion of this and feed the orphans in my community. Let me take a portion of this and sell it that I may make a difference in my community. He did none of that. What he did was acted out of the opposite of love, selfishness. He chose not to be rich toward God, not rich toward his community, not rich toward the people of God. He chose to only be rich to himself. And God himself calls him a fool. Again, it's not how much or how little you have. It's what you do with what you've been entrusted with that matters. And again, I believe with all my heart that God wants to use you. God wants to use you to make an impact in somebody's life. God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. I believe that one day when we stand before the
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that if we leverage what we have for people to know the hope that we have in Jesus, that we're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not what we have, it's what we do with what we have that matters. So how do we go about leaving a legacy of generosity in our life? I believe that God has blessed us and blessed us abundantly. All of us in here, we have the opportunity to manage well what God's given us. We have the opportunity to honor him, to look to him as our provider. But I believe, honestly, all of us have the opportunity to go above and beyond, to leverage our resources for the glory of God in our life. So how do we do that? How do we leave a legacy of generosity? First thing, we've got to know and we've got to make lasting investments. Lasting investments. You see, if we want our lives to matter well after we've been gone, we have to lay up for ourselves treasures that aren't going to rot, that aren't going to be destroyed, that aren't going to be stolen from us. Last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 6 briefly, where Jesus tells us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroys. But what? He says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. You see, when we invest in something that lasts, we're laying up treasures in heaven. We're not laying up treasures on this earth where it's all going to be gone one day. We're laying up treasures where it will not be destroyed. See, one day when that finite resource of time runs out, on our tombstone, there's one thing that represents our life that little dash in between our birth date and our expiration date. There's the dash. Many of you may be familiar with that famous poem that talks about the significance of that dash. The question is, what is that dash going to mean? The thing that will dictate what that dash means is how much of ourselves we left behind. You see, I've never seen anybody's bank account drop to zero the moment they take their last breath because it all got transferred up to heaven, all right? We're not taking that bank account with us. We're not taking that stock portfolio with us. How many know you ain't taking your house with you either, right? Hey, but here's the good news. You don't want to anyway because Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. So that shell of a house that we have right now doesn't compare with what Jesus had. So I ain't even worried about the house. I don't have to worry about the car. It's not going with me. So that maintenance bill and those oil changes, it's done, right? You know, them Pradas and those Michael Kors, you ain't taking that either, all right? Foo-foo and Kitten McMittens, you ain't taking them either, all right? Sorry to break your heart. Here's the deal, y'all, all right? All the material possessions that we have, it's not going with us, all right? What we use it for here matters not because we get to carry it with us, but because we have an opportunity to leverage it to make a difference in people's lives. See, if we could take it with us, we'd be watching U-Hauls behind a hearse every time a funeral procession was going by. But that's not the way it works. We don't do this King Tut style. We do this Jesus style. So what do we do? We want to make that dash valuable. We want to leverage everything that God places in our hands. See, generosity goes beyond just our money. It goes with every resource that God's given us, our times, our gifts, our abilities, the energy that we have, every opportunity that God drops in our hands as a resource. It's not 
just about the resources, about what you choose to do with this hand that matters. What are you going to do with the resource in your hand? What are you going to do? Are you going to lay up for yourselves pleasure? Are you going to lay up for yourselves just a security blanket? Or are you going to start taking the resource that you have now and lay a foundation for somebody to stand on? Are you going to start building a road for people to find hope? What are you building? You know, God's placed people in your life strategically for you to make a difference in their life. Sometimes it's just a matter of us opening up our eyes and see the people that's already around us. They're there for a reason. God has a calling, a plan, and a purpose for you. Your families, you know that that's our first ministry? I'm going to use a significant amount of my resource to pour into my wife, to pour into my kids, and to leave a legacy where they're going to praise and glorify God for my generosity long after I'm gone. What are the people going to say about you a month after you're gone? What are they going to say a year after you're gone? What are they going to say a century after you're gone? They're not going to talk about your boat. They're not going to talk about the inheritance that you left them. They're going to talk about the hope that you left them. They're going to talk about how you made a way for them to come to Jesus. When you left them a godly inheritance, that's what they will remember. The material things, they're fleeting. It's going to break down anyway. You know, God also gives us the opportunity not just to invest in our family, but he gives us the opportunity to invest in our church family as well. You see, the local church is here not just to do church, not just to do music, not just to have a service. The church is here to bring people to life. The church is here for us to come together as the people of God to go and make disciples. You see, when we use our resources, our time, energy, our money, and we start laying bricks in the house of God, we're not doing this because we're some social club. We're doing this because we're the people of God and we're the people of God have a mission in this world, a mission in this community, and we're gonna use what we have together to make an impact in this world. What we do with what we have matters. Not what we have, but what we do with what we have matters. Maybe you choose to send your kid to summer camp or on a missions trip this year. You say, you know what? I'm going to delay that nice vacation I want. Or I'm going to delay that purchase that I want. And I'm going to send them to summer camp or missions trip. Maybe that's saying no to that temporary pleasure and saying yes to the other. Maybe that's the thing that's going to change your kid's life because you made an investment. The question that we have to start asking ourselves is, what can I build now that will help somebody forever? What can I build right now that will help somebody forever? With this brick that I have, where can I place it so that it has a lasting impact, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, not just for this month or year, but where can I place this brick so it's standing for eternity, for someone else to receive the hope and the life that I found in Jesus? That lives on. The possessions don't what the legacy does. So first, we've got to know and we've got to make lasting investments. Secondly, we have to invest intentionally. Now, it's one thing to know where we should invest, but it's a whole different ballgame to follow through on that, isn't it? You know, the whole knowledge behavior gap, 
This is where intentionality becomes so important. If we're going to be people of next level generosity, we've got to invest intentionally. We've got to be resolved to follow through. Isaiah 32.8 says this, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I love this verse. If you're a generous person, you're making a plan to be generous. But not just a plan. You stand firm in your generosity. Why do you think that's so important? You see, when you start taking your resource and you start laying foundations, you start building roads, you start building homes and a hospital, and you start building the church, that gets Satan's attention. That gets the enemy's attention because you're building something that's going to outlast him. You're building something that's going to outlast. You're making a difference in the heart and soul because when we're using and leveraging these resources, not for our own gratification, but for the glory of God, what are we doing? We're robbing hell to populate heaven. That's what we do. That gets his attention. So we're not just going to plan. We're going to stand firm in the generosity that God has called us to because we are not satisfied that one should perish. We're going to leverage what we've got because people matter. People matter to God and they matter to me. I'm going to build something that doesn't just matter today, that doesn't just matter tomorrow, but I'm going to build something that's going to help somebody for all eternity. I'm going to leverage what I've been given. You know, last year in our church family, there were 135 hands that went up to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 135 hands. You know what? That didn't just matter then, does it? That doesn't just matter in 2018. That doesn't just matter in 2019. That matters for eternity. Why did that happen? Why did 135 hands go up? Because somebody in this church family said, I'm going to take what God's given me. I'm going to take my resources. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to start building something. I'm going to take the gifts that he's building me. I'm going to serve somebody this year. I'm going to take the money he's given. I'm going to sow it into the kingdom of God, and I'm going to build a foundation. And because of that, because of people in this church, 135 hands went up because of your investment. We don't just invest for ourselves, for our own sustainment. We invest for the glory of God. We make a plan, and we do it intentionally, and we stand firm in our generosity. But you know what the fun part is? When we start understanding where we can leverage our resources, when we start planning, we do it intentionally, we stand firm in it, then we get to step into something else. We get to step into a realm where we can enjoy the investing. We get to enjoy the investing. You see, something funny happens. You see, this becomes one of the most enjoyable things we can do. You see, we get to cross the line from giving in obedience to giving out of pure joy. One of the greatest sources of joy in my life is to be a blessing to other people. See, I don't give just because it's an act of obedience. Let me tell you what, I give because out of obedience. But I give because it is a pure joy knowing that God is going to use me to make a difference, that God is going to use me to build something that advances his name in this earth. It's a joy at this point. It's not an obligation. It's a pure joy. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says this, the world of the generous 
gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Do you want your world to get larger? Do you want your perspective to get broader? To be generous. Let giving expand your horizons and place you in a place of true abundance and true joy. Because life is not found in the abundance of possessions, is it? Life is not found because we have a bunch of stuff. Life is not found in the material things. Life is found in the abundance of joy that is Christ Jesus in our life. The joy that he brings us when we surrender our full self to him. The joy that he brings us when we we respond to the call in our life. The joy that he promises us when we take what we've been given and we leverage it. We leverage it for the benefit of somebody else. We we leverage it for the benefit of those who aren't yet part of the family. We leverage it. It's not what we have. It's not the amount of what we have. It's what we do with it. And that brings us so much joy. Most of us, most of us, we have extra. We have more than enough to live on. Let me encourage you. Don't let the tithe be the ceiling of your generosity. Let it be the floor. Don't let just what we bring back to God be the ceiling. Let it be the floor. Live a life of rich generosity. See, the cool thing about living a life of generosity, yeah, we bring the tithe back to God. We bring it back into his house. We release control of it. But above and beyond that, you know God gives us full control of where we bring the offering. How fun is it to see a need and meet it? When you see that person in need and because God's blessed you, you get to give not because you're expecting a blessing back, but you get to give from your blessing. How much fun is that when you get to go and you get to transfer the blessing that God's put on your life and you get to transfer that blessing to somebody else? Let me tell you what, that is fun, that is enjoyable, and that is gratifying. Man, let's say that you you see a need. Maybe God puts it on your heart to do something about these women and these children are being sex trafficked. God's blessed you. Do something about it. If you see the need in another country for people who need to know Jesus, come alongside a missionary and sow what God has given you so that someone that you have never met can have the opportunity to hear about the hope that you have. That's when it gets fun, y'all. You know what I'm looking forward to? And you should look forward to too. One day when we're in heaven, there'll be people who you never met on this earth come to you and say, hey, I'm here. I'm here because you gave. I'm here. You don't know me. You don't know me, but when that missionary came in your church, you dropped the check, and I'm here because of your generosity. Hey, you don't know me, but I was rescued out of sex slavery because you decided to leverage your resources so that I could find freedom and I could find Jesus. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? You see, when we leverage what we've been given, not about for our own enjoyment, but for all to know who we've been given, there's a reward in heaven for us because we're not laying up treasures here on earth. We're laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves will not break in and steal. The stock market doesn't crash when you're laying up treasures in heaven. What are we building now that will impact somebody for eternity? What are we doing now to lay for ourselves treasures in heaven? 
Are we building a foundation for someone else to stand on? Are we building roads? Are we building altars? What are we doing so that all will know about the hope we found in Jesus? I want you to remember this. I want you this to get in your heart too, that true generosity leverages what we've been given so that all can know who we've been given. That's true generosity. True generosity, again, it leverages what we've been given so that all can know who we've been given. Would you stand with me this morning? How many of you guys are glad that we've been given the gift of Jesus? How many of you guys are glad that he came out of heaven to this world to save us from our sins, to give us hope, to restore our relationship with God? Hey, because of what God did for me, because he gave his son, I gladly give part of what he's given me. I gladly take part of what he's given me and I lay it down at the foot of the cross so that others can get there. I gladly build the foundation. I gladly build the road so that they can know, so they can see, so they can have what I have. That's true generosity, using what we have and leveraging it so that all can know who, who we've been given, not what. I don't care if people know that I have a house or I have a car, or I don't care if you have a boat, but let me tell you what, I care if you got Jesus and I want the world to know that I've got Jesus too, amen? Cool, let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to be inspired like crazy today to live the rest of your life in a way knowing that you are making an eternal difference, knowing that you're not building up a treasure on this earth, but that you're building up a treasure in heaven, an investment in eternity. I want you to be inspired to leverage what you have. Leverage it so that others can know the goodness of our Savior. Now, just a moment, I'm gonna pray for our whole family that God would continue to shower his blessings on us, not for our own enjoyment, but that we can freely be a blessing to others, that we can be a conduit of his hope.